This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Three, two, one. But I'm working out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Come on, everybody. Episode three. three. Oh, the podcast is from America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, January twelfth, two thousand twenty-one. People, and what? Wait, what? Sorry, wait a second. Got to wipe a little egg off my face because if you listen to Monday's show, I spent about twenty minutes explaining why I thought Ohio State would be your two thousand twenty-one national champion. Not sure how closely you paid attention to Monday night's game, but Alabama wins. Alabama wins convincingly. Final score 52-24. The Crimson Tide are your 2021 national champions. And so today's show will be exclusively about that college football national championship game. Probably a little bit of a shorter show. I'll just talk as long as I end up talking about the game, the history, what it means for Nick Saban, what it means for Alabama, how Alabama ranks all time. And then we will get out of here. No other topics, no other major college hoops, nothing really major out Outside of this game to discuss. I did mention earlier on Monday's show that we will have a great college basketball guest on Thursday. Sean Farnham will join me. ESPN, my guy. He's been on a couple times. I love talking hoops with Sean Farnham. He will join me as we get set to transition into college hoops over these next couple weeks, next couple days really. But today is all about Alabama, Ohio State. We will break it down from every angle. We will talk about everything. Uh, and then we will get out of here, like I said, a little bit of a shorter show today. And then Sean Farnham on Thursday. Before we get started, want to remind everybody, please make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, iTunes, the Podcast Addict app. If you have an Android, Podcast Addict app is the way to go. Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Really does help us move up those iTunes charts. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. Any questions for the show, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. But, and I've also said it before, and I'll keep saying it. Thank you guys for the support on the YouTube channel which is blowing up, closing in 17, almost 1,800 followers at this point. We are rocking and rolling over there. 
Thank you for the support. And with that said, people, there is no more time to waste. Like I said, a little bit of a shorter show, mostly because I have to, again, wipe all the egg off my face after I came on on Monday's show and gave you an in-depth, detailed breakdown on how and why and which way uh, Ohio State was going to win the national championship. Instead, the exact opposite happens. Final score, Alabama 52-24, to as I said a minute ago. Um, and there's really nothing else to say. It was uh, just an insanely dominant performance for Alabama in one of the most insanely dominant seasons that I've ever seen, that we've ever seen as college football fans. And so we're going to break it all down momentarily. But before we get into all the details, first of all, before we go any further, just want to very quickly congratulate Alabama. We do have some Alabama fans. We got Alabama citizens that listen to this show. So congratulations on the school's 18th national championship uh, the sixth of the Nick Saban era, the seventh overall for Nick Saban, which now passes him for Bear. He passes Bear Bryant all time in the record books. And when you look at this game, I mean, look, we've seen some great Alabama performances in the past. Obviously, there was the Orange Bowl. Also in Miami against Notre Dame in 2013, that was about as dominant as you can be. There have been other ones more recent or less recently. Uh, you know, when they played LSU in the championship game, I think the final score was 16 nothing. Wasn't quite uh, the the score that this was, but it was clearly a dominant effort from Alabama. But again, this was about as dominant as you can get in a game against another elite team that is an elite offensive team. And look, at the end of the day, we can all agree Ohio State was not uh, at 100% in this game. We find out before the game that they had, what, 8, 10, 12 players missing, uh, most specifically along the defensive line. Trey Sermon gets hurt in the first series, but none of it would have mattered. Alabama was absolutely, unquestionably the better team and absolutely, unquestionably the deserving champion. I mean, the box score is just incredible. 621 yards of offense. 464 yards passing, 157 yards rushing. And the crazy part was Alabama really let its foot off the gas about the middle to the end of the third quarter when they were up convincingly just trying to get this win. They also played, oh, by the way, without Devontae Smith for most of the second half, the Heisman Trophy winner. So when you talk about Alabama being down the Heisman Trophy winner in the second half of the national championship game, Jalen Waddell, who is also a first-round caliber wide receiver, uh, being out for essentially the second half of the season, most of the national championship game. I think he played probably maybe five snaps or less. This was just a dominant game in every way, shape, and form. And I'll tell you when I actually knew it was over. It was probably earlier than even some people. And I say this as a guy who picked Ohio State. But on the, I guess it was Ohio State's third series of the game, second series of the game, they're down 14-7. Excuse me, it was Alabama's third series. Uh, Alabama was down. Alabama had the ball. They were up 14-7. Mac Jones fumbles. Uh, Ohio State goes ahead and scores to make it 14-14. And Alabama immediately gets the ball back and immediately scores. And that's when I knew it was over because I knew all night that Alabama was not going to be stopped by that Ohio State defense. They were down a couple guys on the defensive line, 
But again, this isn't about who Ohio State was missing. This was about Alabama's definitive national championship. But when I looked at this game as a guy who picked Ohio State, when I saw right away that Ohio State had all the momentum coming off that fumble recovery, touchdown a few plays later to make it 14-14, and a few plays after that, Alabama scores to go up 21-14, that is when I knew it was over. Uh, In terms of a couple specifics from the game, first of all, I mean, to me, even though he didn't play for most of the second half, I still think it was Devontae Smith. Um, This kid is incredible. He was a great ambassador for college football all year, and he showed on, on Monday night why he was, in fact, the Heisman Trophy winner. 12 catches, 215 yards, three touchdowns, completely unstoppable. The only thing that could actually stop him was an injury that brought him back to the locker room in the middle of the third quarter. But Ohio State had no answer for him. And listen, you could pick apart Ohio State's uh, coaching schematics or whatever. I don't do that on this show. I don't break down X's and O's. If you want that, you go somewhere else. But when I look at this game, if Ohio State spent all week game planning for Devontae Smith, had no answer for him, it just speaks to his greatness, and it really speaks to the fact that nobody had an answer for him all season. Notre Dame spent a bunch of time uh, game planning for Devontae Smith. They had no answer for him. Same with Florida. Same with LSU. Same with on and on and on and on and on. And so it is a testament to how great he is as a player. It appears as though it was a finger injury, a hand injury. It appears as though he's going to be okay. That is what's most important. But I also think we just have to give this kid credit and appreciate what he did this season in what was one of the single most dominant seasons by any non-quarterback that I think any of us have ever seen. Secondly, really quickly, want to give a quick shout-out to Steve Sarkeesian, Don't think you can possibly make any more money than being the soon-to-be Texas head football coach because if you're good there, they'll they'll just drop piles of cash on your front lawn. It doesn't get much better than what Steve Sarkeesian did on on Monday night. All game long, Ohio State had absolutely no answer for Alabama. As I mentioned, 641 yards of total offense. I know a lot of people say, well, he's not going to have Devontae Smith and Najee Harris at, at Texas. That is true. But if you watch the game, and again, I don't claim to be an X's and O's expert, but he had Ohio State off balance all game long. He was finding all these creative ways to get Devontae Smith the ball, to get Najee Harris the ball, uh, to get the kid, what, what's his name, Sloan Stevens or something? Sloan Stevens is the, uh, is the, uh, is the gymnast, but uh, Slade, Slade Bolden got a touchdown pass. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian showed why Texas is so excited to have him because he is a brilliant play caller. And this is why I talked about a few weeks ago when he got hired that I do believe that he is going to be successful at Texas. If he just focuses on offense, hires somebody to run the defense and can recruit at even a half-decent level, I believe that they will compete with Oklahoma very soon for Big 12 titles. But Steve Sarkeesian earned all the money on, on Monday night. He was, I think, the highest-paid offensive coordinator in college football this year. And as I said... I hope he didn't sign that contract to Texas yet because if he did not, I would go back to the tables tomorrow and say I need an extra 10 to $20 million on that contract because I was so awesome. So those are two big takeaways. I think some other takeaways, I mean, one, Alabama was just so dominant. I thought it was kind of funny about the middle of the third quarter. 
that um, I thought the middle of the third quarter, that Alabama starts putting in its backups. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr., their second string running back, got a bunch of reps. Their third, fourth, fifth wide receivers got a bunch of reps. It cracks me up that in a national championship game, Alabama is getting their their backups reps. That just shows how dominant they were. Uh, also, by the way, very quick shout out to Notre Dame, uh, who was more competitive with Alabama in the semifinal than Ohio State actually was in the final. Notre Dame probably proving that they uh, they belonged in the playoff. Uh, I think they did, but whatever. And then finally, just a very quick shout out to Alabama itself. Uh, if you listen to last week's episode, I talked with Ryan Fowler about this, but Ryan really explained why this season was so important to Alabama. La- two years ago, really, it started. You lose to Clemson in the national championship game. You get destroyed in what was Trevor Lawrence's freshman season. He comes out and plays this incredible game that nobody could have seen coming. Then, going into last year, you had all this momentum. You had all this excitement. You had all this um you know, built up frustration from the previous offseason. Tua gets hurt. He's at less than 50%. You lose to, to LSU. He gets hurt again. He's out of the Auburn game. You lose to Auburn. And all of a sudden, you're talking about a team that had national championship aspirations that got, that, that got beat by LSU, second best team in the conference. And it just feels like this whole team was motivated all offseason. Really, the last two years, had they been healthy, which I'll get to in a minute, I think you could have made a case they were maybe the second best team in college football last year, but it was clear they were motivated, and I'll tell you this. I watch a ton of college football. Y'all do, right? You wouldn't listen to this show if you didn't. Um, I have never seen a team as locked in, as focused from game one, snap one, minute one as Alabama not saying that they were perfect, but what I will say is you talk about a team that just just was so f- singularly focused on winning a national championship. Um, I've never seen anything like it. And I think you could also make the case, by the way, as they won the national championship, I tweeted this out on Monday night, um, but you look at last year's Alabama team, Tua gets hurt the week before LSU, they lose to LSU 46-41, and history won't show it. But Alabama very well may have been the second best team in college football last year that we don't even acknowledge because they played LSU a lot closer than anyone did in the playoffs. So that that was kind of my big picture thoughts from this game. But now I want to get to what I believe is kind of the conversation coming out of this game, and that is very simply this. Is this Nick Saban's best team of all time? Is this in the conversation for the greatest team in in the history of college football. And it's funny because, listen, one of the reasons I think you guys listen to this show, I think that at times I'm ahead of stuff, right? I'm not saying I'm always right. Look, I picked Ohio State to win the national championship. I can't sit here and get on my high horse and say I've never missed a prediction. But one thing I do do, I watch the games, I think critically, I I put myself out there, I say things that are unpopular, and I said after the regular season ended, when Alabama went 10-0 in the SEC regular season, I said that was the single most dominant regular season that Alabama has ever put together. Now, they got to finish it by winning the SEC. they got to finish it by winning the national championship. But that was the single most dominant Alabama team that I have ever seen because, as I said at the time, 
early in the Nick Saban era, they completely dominated on, on defense, and the offense really was about the run game, was about physicality, was about keeping the games low scoring. Then as Saban evolved into the second act of his time in Alabama with Lane Kiffin, with Brian Dable, and then with uh, Steve Sarkeesian, the offense got really good, but the defense didn't ca- catch up yet. And so what I said was that this was the year where the, the offense was as good as it's ever been, and the defense caught up. And that was what I said even before the SEC championship game. So now that it's complete, now that it's finished, now that we are final and Alabama is officially a national champion, I think we got to go and have the conversation. Forget the greatest Nick Saban team in Alabama of all time. Did Alabama just put together the greatest regular season of all time? And it's crazy because I would have never thought that I would say this previously. I look at what LSU did last year, and this is not to tear down what LSU did this last year, and in many ways, what they did was unbelievable. 15-0. They beat uh, Clemson to win the national championship. They beat Oklahoma in the playoff. They beat Alabama in the regular season. They won at Texas. They beat Auburn. They beat Florida. Unbelievable. Texas A&M. An incredible string of wins that I thought could never be duplicated. And so when I, when, I, when I say what I have to say about Alabama, I don't want to tear down what LSU did last year, but I think you can make a legitimate case that Alabama just put together the best regular season in the history of college football. Here's why. First of all, before we even get to anything that happened in the playoff, 10-0 in an SEC-only regular season. That is indisputable. You can argue that it was a weird year, that it's COVID, that there was weird things going on, that Tennessee isn't good, that uh, whoever. Um, you know, I'm just trying to think of who, who Alabama played, that, that LSU was down, that Mississippi State stinks. Well, guess what? They are the only school in the history of football, in the history of SEC, to win 10 regular season games in the SEC. It's never been done before. As a matter of fact, nobody has ever won 10 regular season games in a conference prior to this year. Now, Notre Dame did it too, but Notre Dame, obviously, we'll get to in a minute, lost to Alabama. So that's one. First of all, 10-0 in an SEC regular season. Not only did they go 10-0, they won all of those games by at least 14 points, including a 17-point win over Georgia and a 28-point win over Texas A&M, who, uh, two teams that will finish in the top 10. Beyond that, they obviously beat Florida in the SEC championship game, and then back-to-back dominant wins in the playoff against Notre Dame and Ohio State. And so when you look at the totality of the season, here are the facts on Alabama. You want to argue they're not the best team, they are the best team, you can argue whatever you want, I'm just going to give you the facts. Here are the facts. First of all, 10-0 regular season, SEC, never been done before. 11 total SEC wins, never been done before, that includes the, the, the uh, SEC championship game with Florida. Uh, how about this? They finished the regular season 13-0, which has been done before, but they played five teams that are going to finish in the top five. They beat all of them. They beat four teams, excuse me, that are going to finish in the top 10. I don't know why I said top five. Four teams that are going to finish in the top 10. Ohio State, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Georgia. Four teams that are going to finish in the top 10. They beat them all by 17-plus points. If you include Florida, they beat five teams that are going to finish somewhere in the top 12 to top 15. And even Florida might finish in the top 10 when it's all said and done. I don't think they will, but four teams in the top 10, they beat all four by 17-plus points. 
On top of that, they had one of the single greatest offenses ever. Not saying it's better than LSU last year, not saying it's better than some other offenses historically, but they finished averaging 48 points per game. They finished second in scoring. You know who finished ahead of them? Kent State, who fit, who played four games total this season. So essentially, Alabama had the number one offense in college football this year, averaging almost 49 points a game. As I said, the defense was as good as it's been in a long time in the SEC, in an SEC-only schedule. They finished, um, you know, giving up 345 yards of total offense, a dominant effort considering, and as my buddy Cole Kublik tweeted out, this is kind of an incredible stat, after the Georgia game, they only gave up 400 yards once after the Georgia game, which was the final nine games of the season, which again included wins over Notre Dame, included wins over Ohio State, included some wins over some good football teams. I think when you add all of this, just look at the awards, right? Just look at the awards. Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith. Top wide receiver, Bolitnikov winner, Dante, uh, Devontae Smith. I don't know if I said Dante Smith, Devontae Smith. Whatever, you get the point. Uh, Doak Walker Award winner, Najee Harris. Davey O'Brien Award winner, which goes to the top quarterback, uh, Mac Jones. How about Remington Award, interior lineman, goes to Landon Dickerson. How about the Joe Moore Award to the top group of offensive linemen, Alabama. And so when you look at all this in totality, I am not going to sit here and argue, fight you if you believe that LSU was better last year or Clemson two years ago or whoever, Miami a million years ago, uh, whatever. What I am telling you is I believe that you can absolutely make the argument that Alabama finished with the single greatest regular season in the history of college football. Again, I'm just going to repeat it. I'll let you decide. I'm not going to try to fight you if you disagree, but 13-0. 11 and 0 in SEC games, 10 and 0 in SEC regular season games. First team ever to win 10 SEC regular season games. All were by 14 points. They finished averaging 48 points per game. They played four teams that are going to finish in the top 10: Ohio State, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Georgia. They beat them all by 17 plus. How about this? Ohio State's only lost this year: 28 points to Alabama. Texas A&M. Only lost this year by 28 points to Alabama. I mean, we were talking about dominant, historical, inconceivable stuff that Alabama did this year. Finally, that's, by the way, that's my spiel on on Alabama being the greatest team of all time. Really quickly, we got to talk Nick Saban. Because I do think this is a conversation coming out of this game is, did Nick Saban just cement himself as the greatest coach of all time? I think there are plenty of people that will argue that it was already cemented long ago, but coming into this game, he was tied with Bear Bryant, six national championships for Saban, six national championships for Bear Bryant. Oh, by the way, not sure if you heard, Saban wins, he goes to number one all time. And so as I look at it, I'm not here to argue, you know, like like fight you again over, I'm not going to fight you on LSU, I'm not going to fight you on Bear Bryant. Here is what I know. First of all, Bear Bryant, I'm not trying to tear down his legacy. I'm not trying to say what he did what he did was not incredible. Never won more than 12 games in a single season, which again, I get it. It's a different sport. It's not the same uh, as as the era that we're in now with with SEC championship, college football playoffs, all that stuff. But he never won more than 12 games in a regular season. Here are the years that Alabama has won at least 12 games under Nick Saban. 2008 2009, 2011, 2012, 
2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2020. I think I just counted 10 seasons. Let me do that again. 2008, 2009, 2011, 2012, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2020. I just got it off 10 seasons where Saban won at least 12 games. Bear Bryant did it once. I get it was a different era. I get we're talking about different things. But when we're talking about Bear Bryant, one 12-0 season, two 11-0 seasons, Nick Saban, six national championships, including three in the college football playoff era where you not only have to play a conference championship game, but two playoff games. I mean, that's something special. That's something special that we will probably, I don't even want to say probably, we will never see this again. And so if you want to argue Bear Bryant, you know, I don't know if I have any old school Bama fans that know how to download this podcast and live through the Bear Bryant era, we're never going to see this again. What Nick Saban is doing is inconceivable. Seven national championships in this era is inconceivable and it will never be done again. And I'll tell you this, why Saban, in my opinion, is the greatest coach of all time is not just because of the raw seven national championships. It's not just because of all the SEC championships. It's because we live in an era where it should be harder than ever to win a national championship after national championship and build dynasties, okay? Just think about the era that we live in. More games than there have ever been. It's just a fact. I mean, it's indisputable. Most seasons, we're playing 15 games now. You go to a conference championship, you got two playoff games, 12 regular season games. That's 15 games total. You got conference championships, like I said. You got two playoff games. So in the old days, no conference championship. You go to a bowl game, you win that, you're either crowned the national champion or you're not. Now, you got to beat the best team in your conference. Then you got to go to a playoff game. Then you got to go to another playoff game if you win that. And we are talking about inconceivable things. On top of how hard the schedule is, never forget, this is a different era. 85 scholarships, the fewest it's been. Back in the day, it was 95, 100, 105, whatever it was. 85 scholarships. Everybody has money now, right? Back in the day, some teams had money, some teams didn't, some teams could play, pay coaches, some teams couldn't. Now, everybody, especially in the SEC, they can pay their head coach five, six, seven, eight million dollars a year. They can pay coordinators one, one and a half, two million dollars a year. They can pay assistant coaches, defense, uh, 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 excuse me, position coaches. They could pay them 800,000, 700,000, 600,000. They could pay the best strength and conditioning coaches 500,000, 600,000, 700,000. So the fact that Nick Saban is doing this in this era when nobody should be able to dominate the way that he is, it's inconceivable. It is inconceivable how good he has been in this era, in this moment in time. And so I do believe that he, I think, essentially clinched greatest coach of all time, right? By the way, how lucky are we as sports fans? We got the GOAT in college football. We got the GOAT in the NFL, Bill Belichick. We got probably the GOAT quarterback in Tom Brady. We got one of the two best players in the history of the NBA in LeBron James. This is really fun, man. Maybe the GOAT in college basketball, Mike Krzyzewski, I don't think so, but, you know, you get the point. We're, we're, we're doing good as college, uh, college uh, sports fans in general. So, anyway, it's late. I'm rambling, but let me get out of here with one quick thing. I've spent the last 25 minutes talking a lot about Alabama. I do want to talk about Ohio State really quickly. I don't want to talk about this loss. I don't want to talk about they're overrated. I don't want to talk about they only played six games. They shouldn't have been in the playoff. Now is not the time to have that conversation. What I do think it is time for is it's time to give credit for Ohio State. To Give credit to Ohio State for one thing. 
And that one thing is very simply this. They fought so hard for this season. And I don't care what the final result was. I don't care how bad it was. I don't care how bad it looked. I will fight for Ohio State and I will defend Ohio State because of how hard they fought for this season. They could have sat on the sidelines. They could have said, eh, you know, I don't know. We'll play. We won't play. No. They wanted this season bad. Never forget, Justin Fields started a petition to start this season when his own head coach, athletic director, conference commissioner refused to fight for a season. And so as I look back on Ohio State, I want to give them credit too on an incredible season. Last year, they get to the playoff. They lose in the semifinals to Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. And they, 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 they lose that game and they think, we are coming back to defend this, to get back to win the national championship that we feel like we deserve to win. I mentioned on Monday's show, never forget, last year in the playoff, they were up 16-0 on Clemson, couldn't uh, hold on to that lead. They end up losing. There's some questionable calls late that go against them. They fought so hard to get to this moment in time, and the fact that, that they didn't win the national championship we shouldn't hold that against. Now, I know we all made jokes on Twitter, and I made a joke on Twitter about the Big Ten shouldn't have played in the first place, but it was a joke, and I give Ohio State so much credit. And as I wrap here, you know, kind of two quick things. The first thing, I want to congratulate everyone that did anything to do with college football this year because I think as I sit back and I reflect on this season, I think it's easy to forget that as of what? four months ago, five months ago, there was a real thought that we weren't going to have this season at all. It's easy to forget now. We just crowned Alabama national champion. We just played all these bowl games. We had an awesome playoff. Clemson beat the crap, or Ohio State beat the crap out of Clemson. But I think it's easy to forget. There was no guarantee that this season happened. There was no guarantee that we played college football. There was no guarantee that any of these teams got any opportunity to compete for anything. And so as I sit back and I look at where we were in July and August, and, you know, the NFL, it's kind of weird. They're the pros, but they were kind of on the sidelines. They didn't really, uh, there was, I don't really feel like there was ever a debate over whether we should or would play the NFL season. We just did. But college football, man, that was a huge political battleground. And I'm not going to get political and I'm not going to talk politics and all that stuff. All I'm going to say is, there was a real moment in time where I do not believe that most people thought we were going to play a college football season. And so the fact that we got through the season, the fact that we made it safely, the fact that as best we can tell, no major hospitalizations, no major illnesses, nobody collapsed, like, like nothing really bad happened. And with that, I just want to give credit to everybody. I want to give credit to the players first and foremost for, for what they went through. And I've talked about it so much and I've talked about it with basketball, but we're talking about daily testing in some places. We're talking about, you know, not going out to parties. We're talking about uh, not seeing your parents when they come to campus if they're lucky enough to go to a game. Can't hug mom and dad after a game because they might have COVID and you might not realize it. Can't, again, can't go to parties, can't do the fun things that college kids do. They sacrificed all that for themselves for this season, but also for us as fans. I give credit to the coaches. Some of them were more vocal than others. I want to give credit to Ryan Day for fighting for the season. I want to give credit to Jim Harbaugh. I know it's easy to crush him, but never forget he marched with his players and said, we want to play. We'll be ready in two weeks. Scott Frost fought, fought for this season. 
um, in the Mountain West, Brian Harson, who's now the Auburn coach, talked about how badly he wanted to play this season. You go on and on and on and on and on. So many coaches fought for this season. I want to give credit to the doctors, okay? The doctors that kept all these kids safe, that processed all these tests, that when kids did get sick, quarantined them, took care of them, made sure that they were healthy to get back to the field. I want to give credit to the parents who, as I said, couldn't go to games this year, couldn't watch their sons, couldn't hug their sons after these games. And I want to give credit to you guys as fans because you fought, you said it wouldn't be enough, you said it wouldn't be acceptable. In some cases, I don't know how many Big Ten fans we got listening to this show. I know it's a ton, but I don't know if you guys marched. I don't know if you guys sent emails. I don't know if you guys fought. I don't know exactly what everyone did in every scenario. But again, this season was really close to not happening. And so I want to give credit to everyone from the players, the coaches, the trainers, the doctors, the parents, by the way, the ADs. Give credit to everybody, man, because there was a time not that long ago that we were not sure if we were even going to get a season. And so the fact that we got a playoff, the fact that we crown a national champion, I'll be honest, guys, I just think it's awesome. And I'm happy and the season's over. And I guess that's probably how I should end this is I want to thank you guys because I know that I went out on some crazy limbs on this show. I know that in July and August, I was a lone voice. And you probably thought, Torres, this guy's a little off, man. Does he really believe everything he's saying? I did. I absolutely did. I'm not here to pat myself on the back or congratulate myself because we played a season. But you guys stood by me. And you guys fought for me. Because I'm telling you, I got some really, really, really nasty emails. I got some really nasty texts. I got some really nasty DMs that said I didn't care about the players. That said I didn't know what I was talking about. And I'm not talking about... DMs from fans. I'm talking about DMs from other media members. I'm talking about DMs from powerful people in college sports saying, you're, you're stepping out of bounds. You don't know what you're talking about. No, I know what I'm talking about. And I knew that it was right to fight for this season. It was right to fight for the players. But I wouldn't have done it without the support from you guys. So as we wrap this season, I just want to give you guys a shout out as well. Because you guys support this show. You guys support what I'm about. I'm not always right, but I'm going to fight for what I believe is right. And I always believe from the beginning that we should be playing this college football season. And I am happy that we got it to a safe conclusion. And I'm happy for Alabama, who is your 2021 national champion. All right. (laughs) That's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Again, I want to wish you guys uh, a happy January, happy mid-January. And obviously, look, over the next couple episodes, next couple weeks, we're going to transition to a lot of college hoops. Again, by the way, I should also mention, I know some of you aren't huge college hoops fans, so for those of you who joined us for college football season and are probably going to uh, you know, do whatever you do during hoop season, thank you for joining us. Come find us again next August and September when we do this again. But for those of you who are college hoops fans, it's go time, baby. As I said, Sean, uh, Sean Farnham, well, I almost said Sean Miller, which would be a pretty cool guest, but Sean Farnham will join me on Thursday's episode And we'll just kind of talk about some of the big storylines going into what is kind of the heart of college basketball season. So Sean Farnham will join me Thursday. It's also worth mentioning there will be no Monday episode. Uh, I will be traveling on Monday, which is Martin Luther King Day. Um, But I do hope that, um, you know, I do hope that that, uh, I get back on time on Monday to do a Tuesday episode. But... With that said, that is all for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for a successful season. If you're not already subscribed, please make sure to do so. 
iTunes, the Podcast Addict app. If you have an Android, Podcast Addict is the way to go. Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. Always find us on uh, email at Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com if you do have any questions for the show, for me, for whatever. Um, and yeah, YouTube, Facebook, whatever. But you get the point. You get the point. You can find me pretty much anywhere. But I want to thank you guys. I want to thank you guys for what was a very successful season. Thank you guys for everything that it is that you do. But that is all for today's show. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel Hayes, my voice. Shout out to Kevin Warren, Dan Wolken, everybody who tried to cancel this season. It did not happen. And shout out to Alabama, your 2020 national champions. I will be back on Thursday with Sean Farnham talking college hoops. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.